We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tom Thayer, Chicago Bears radio analyst. There was one time we were playing Tampa short yards goal line. I was in the end zone waiting for Harbaugh to throw me the ball. Instead of throwing the ball, he ran it in. And I go, Jim, you could have padded your stats by throwing me a one-yard pass. He goes, I know, but I thought you'd drop it. (laughs) You think you had good hands? I I know I did. 41-12. Look at these things. 1985 Super Bowl champion. Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Hungry Chicago, finally champions on this January day in New Orleans. Tom Thayer with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Bears. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. What a delight to talk to Tom Thayer. He's a local legend. It's almost humiliating to share the airwaves with the great man, but we are delighted that uh, we get a chance to talk to him. The Signature Bank Score Hotline Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Tom, good morning. How are you? Oh, no. Uh-oh. We lost Tom. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if I were him, I'd hang up on us. Oh, man. No, I'm here. Oh, you're there. there you go. Hey, oh, Tom. my God, Tom. Yeah, I'm here. I'm Bless here. You, I would never hang up on you guys. Good morning. Oh, come on, you Thank you, Tom. Wise to. <laughs> uh, all right. What's our major takeaway from these championship games? When are the Bears getting there? Maybe they should have taken uh-huh. that Mahomes kid back in the day. I don't know. Yeah, you know, as as popular as the quarterback position is and as much as it had a factor in the outcome of yesterday's game, whether how how well can you play injured or what happens to your team after a quarterback is injured, there's still the storyline of the offense and defensive lines. Right. I think as much as – and I'm not saying that just because I'm an off, ex-offensive lineman, but when you look at uh, the lack of proper protection by uh, Cincinnati against uh, Kansas City – and then you look at uh, the in the inability to protect against um, the the Eagles, and I, I think a lack of a, a, a real proper design to give um, you know protection to the quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I think that the offensive defensive line and, and their production is much of a storyline as the quarterback position. Well, let's talk about that for a second, Tom, because you look at the 49ers and. We respect Kyle Shanahan. I love him as a play caller. All of those things that he has done to, to earn the reputation as one of the game's brightest in terms of head coaches. What was he doing with a backup tight end trying to single block Hassan Reddick? And you saw what happened. Hassan Reddick knocks Brock Purdy out of the game. And I just don't know how a coach that smart can make a decision that seems that dumb. Well, I agree 100% with, with you, but sometimes it's the fact that the offensive coordinator believes that the consistency within a pass rusher that it's enough to get the ball off. But Hassan Reddick, he was going to rush the passer regardless of what the tight end was going to do, whether the tight end was going to chip and go out, the tight end was going to try to sustain a block, um, no matter what his responsibility was, he was going to disrupt the timing of the play before the play could get off. And I think um, 
you know, that's what happened. And, you know, you go back to the Bears uh, Philly game and you think of what Hassan Reddick did in that game. And um, even on the, the one of the best runs of the year by Justin Fields, it still should have been a sack by Hassan Reddick, but Justin was able to escape from it. So, yeah, I think there is a little bit of naiveness in thinking that you could outsmart great play. Um, and that's that, ha- that hasn't happened um you know, when it was the 85 Bears, and it's not going to happen to the 2022 Eagles. Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, Hassan Reddick really blew up that game. He had a great game. He's had a great year. Um, and I think that what you saw from from both the, the Chiefs and from the Eagles who have wound up in the Super Bowl is a defensive lineman taking over the game a little bit, right? We certainly uh, saw it uh, – uh, in that, uh, in in the second game, in the first game, I mean, there, that that is something that has to happen. If you can't, and I know the quarterbacks are hurt, and they're, you know, you see Mahomes hopping around, and nonetheless, that the the, uh, the defensive lineman, it's if you don't have a quarterback, you better make sure you have someone who can stop one. And and that yeah. I would take that with me into the draft. I would take, I, I, you know, I, Tom, if I'm rebuilding the Bears, I'm starting on the line of scrimmage and working my way out. No, me too. I mean, if I could get a guy that would play with the desire or, I mean, the the physical ability of a guy like Jones from Kansas City, guy's amazing inside, outside. He's going to dominate a single block, uh, you know, a, attempt or, you know, he's going to create. And that's from that position. You put him on the inside and he can single-handedly stop the interior run and, um you know, it's production and then put pressure on the quarterback to be more successful on second long or third and significant. And then you're you're playing right into the hands of Spagnola, the defensive coordinator at Kansas City, and, you know, how he wants to get after you. And that's the thing that I was most disappointed in about Cincinnati and their defensive coordinator. They didn't do anything at the beginning of the game to get an evaluation of the mobility of Patrick Mahomes. He didn't bring up, uh, uh, you know, unsuspected rushers from exotic positions. He didn't really take advantage of uh, maybe a lineman that they felt they had advantage of and use Hubbard or um, Hendrickson, the the two good outside rushers, to try to get a one-on-one advantage. And so when they didn't really challenge um, and see how good Mahomes really is going to be and how much – that ankle is going to affect his mobility. They kind of let him just play right behind the line of scrimmage, have a couple of steps inside the pocket, and then make some huge completions for either first downs or touchdowns. And so I, I was a little disappointed in the defensive coordinator of Cincinnati. That's a great point. Tom, you're an offensive line expert, so I want to ask you this. Back to the NFC game. Lane Johnson played – with a torn groin muscle, apparently. He's playing through pain. He's going to have surgery later. That's admirable. But I've got to ask you this. Almost on every passing play, it looked like he was jumping and he could have been called for a legal procedure because he was like a half step or like a half second before everybody else And when Jalen Hurts was dropping back. Did you notice a similar thing? Yeah. Or is he just timing it perfectly? No, I agree with you 100%. You know, he's all right. So you think about this significant amount of reps that he has at home, and he understands Kelsey as better as well as any offensive lineman 
on that football team. And so there's a consistency that comes with the quarterback's cadence nowadays, whether it's at home or on the road, because if you're going to silent count, you want to be able to, you know, simulate that timing each and every snap so the offensive lineman can kind of guess out of their stance. And I, I think it was um, one of the plays that Lane Johnson, um, he jumped. They didn't call it. And then I don't know if it was re- resulted in a touchdown pass or whatever the case was. But, yeah, um, and I was sitting here watching. And I have a brother-in-law who is also an ex-offensive lineman in the NFL, and we are kind of trading text messages about it that, you know, they're allowing this guy to move that that 16th of a second earlier than the defensive lineman. And then a guy like Lane Johnson with his length and having some separation, he's already at an advantage position and making the pass rusher take a longer path to become destructive to the quarterback than if they were getting off the ball at the exact same time or even if the defensive lineman had a half a second uh, jump on on the offensive lineman. You know, Tom, two weeks is a is a, a healthy amount of time for teams to get healthy. You you saw in the in the Chiefs game they lost three receivers. Obviously, the quarterback is playing with a high ankle sprain. Um, apparently, the tight end is hurt. Although you wouldn't have known it. How who who gets help more? Is it is it uh, the Chiefs with the obvious? you know, limping of the quarterback, or is it the the uh, Eagles who are pretty bang, banged up as well? Uh, you know, to me, you know, you look at the most high-profile name in this game right now, even though as, as much as Jalen Hurts is, you know, climbing up that, that same totem pole, but it's still all about Patrick Mahomes. And if he does have the maneuverability and escapability against the defense like the Philadelphia Eagles, then I think he can make it more challenging. Um, so I, I think it is up to Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to go in and play against the defense that um, is as good as that that there's been on the field for quite some time. And so, yeah, I think Mahomes has to has to get better. And you know, he's the type of guy that he can make use of the tools that's offered to him on the day of the game. And so, you know, to me, Mahomes' ankle is the injury issue uh, that we'll be hearing a lot about in the next couple weeks. So, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but when the Eagles came to Soldier Field before that game, you looked at their tape and you thought they were maybe the most complete team you had seen since the 85 Bears was the comparison. Do you still feel that way? And if that's the case, my sense is that you think they're going to finish the job. Yeah, I I do. I I think um, when you look at start with their offense and defensive linemen and you look at a guy like uh, Kelsey at the center position, and you think back of what Jay offered us, Jay Hilgenberg offered us from the center position, the wide variety things he could do, the individual responsibilities that he could handle on his own. You know, everybody wants to give uh, credit to a guy like Dermani Dawson from Pittsburgh Steelers, but Jay was a pulling center since he came aboard in the Bears, and he does a lot of this, you know, a lot of things similar to what Kelsey is offering these guys. But, and then, um, you know, you look at their offensive line overall, you know, it's a, it's a lot like the 85 and just like the defensive line. So, um, you know, I, I do, I give the, the Eagles an advantage. Yes. And, um, you know, it's just, they got to be a, be willing to, you know, put Hassan Reddick in a winnable position and, uh, you know, see who it comes against. You know what's fascinating to me is I think the game, both games, they were kind of herky-jerky. 
there were like a lot of calls. I just wasn't pleased with the officiating top to bottom. I was confused about that um, that that fourth and three pass where the ball is clearly dropped, but you don't find out, and they're rushing to the offensive line and and calling the uh, the next play and moving on. And it's bef- that league office apparently has the ability to stop that if they had seen that, and somehow they didn't. So you just you know it's just a weird kind of day for. I don't know if it's bad calls or missed calls or like dodgy calls or interruptive laundry on the field. It just felt like there was no rhythm or pace to the actual games. Yeah, I, I do think those inserted themselves in the game, and that's the last thing you want to see and how frustrating it was with the San Francisco coaches after that one series where they had three or four plays. But, you know, the – the one thing about the receiver and he knew he knew that he didn't control the ball all the way to the ground and that's why he got up gave an immediate hand signal to the rest of his teammates get on the line of scrimmage and let's let's run a play immediately that's that's part of the the you know something that's coached nowadays that's the strategy of the game that's the understanding when you're sitting in quarterback running back and you know receiver meetings and they're coaching this into the guys listen man if you make a great catch and you don't think that you've controlled the ground give us a signal let's get to the line of scrimmage and it's you know it's whether you know Aaron Rodgers catching you with 12 guys on the field or you know getting a guy to jump and then taking advantage of that you know it's it's similar to all those types of plays that you know the veteran experience of a quarterback and a team that knows that they only have an instantaneous response to a play like that to make sure that it doesn't get overturned um you know, to me it's preparation done by the coaches that make sure that these guys are ready for an unannounceable instant that can happen like that in such a big game tom whether it was the first play of preseason or the last play of the afc championship game i felt like the joseph asai late hit had to be called you can't you can't not throw the flag because of the stakes because of the circumstances. In fact, I think you almost have a bigger obligation to do that if you're a referee. How did you see that play unfold? How much uh, blame do you put on a side to because of obviously it was an aggressive mistake, but it was clearly a mistake, and you saw his reaction post game, and you felt for the young man. Nah, I, I you know I don't have the same sympathy for him because that's something that's talked about, preached about, coach, in every single instance in football in the last 20 years. So now put yourself in the ha- in the eyes of the defender. So the quarterback is in front of you. He's going to make it to the out-of-bounds marker before you. And now you think that you're going to put your hands on him when the quarterback crosses that big white line on the side of the field that designates him out of bounds. It's unforgivable. And don't sit here and tell me that I need my players to come and, and forgive me for that because – whether you're a Pop Warner kid or you're a, you're a guy playing in a senior flag football league, you know what the out-of-bounds markers are. You know where the player is in front of you before you're ever going to cross the out-of-bounds marker. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it would have changed the outcome of the game, but, you know, I, I, I can't take, uh, you know, I'm not going to give him a bunch of sympathy for making a mistake that it's an obvious mistake. Okay, so I I um, look at these coaching staffs, and I, I guess I didn't know this. Vic, Vic Fangio apparently has been hired in Miami as their defensive coordinator. He's currently working as a consultant with the Eagles. 
So you got <laughs> Fangio involved in this game. Obviously, you've got uh, 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 Matt Nagy involved in this game. I, I mean, passenger in the game, but uh, but your your special teams coach has a huge. Uh, Dave Tobe has a huge role uh, in the uh, in, in the uh, Kansas City staff. What is it like looking at these coaches that were once here and seeing them have success, obviously of varying levels? You know, it's kind of it's interesting because you know Dave Tobe is a guy that's he's interviewed for a bunch of head coaching jobs, and as much as John Harbaugh or Mike Ditka deserve to get a head coaching opportunity, I do believe Dave Tobe does also. Um, he's got involvement with every player on the football team, other than a guy like Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, it's, you know, I feel, I wish Dave would have been given his opportunity. And then, you know, it was kind of funny. I was thinking of Fangio. If he, if Sean Payton would have got the job in Denver and Fangio would have went there as a defensive coordinator, would he still be getting paid as a fired head coach and a defensive coordinator, or would they had to split up his salary? I, I think, I think that would have been funny. And then I guess moving forward with Kansas city, um, you know, they're interested in the enemy taking an, another offensive coordinator job somewhere. And um, I wish he would, because I wish that he had the opportunity to stand on his own two feet. As much as they want to say he's the offensive coordinator in Kansas city, then why is um, Andy Reed wearing a headset? And why does he have a play sheet? Why does he have a pen in his hand? So, to me, I would I would love to see uh, Eric Bieniemy get an opportunity to go out there and run an offense completely on his own from development to the last play of the game. So, Tom, big picture wise in the NFC, you look at what the Eagles have done, and in two playoff victories, they've outscored their opponents sixty nine to fourteen. They have barely broken a sweat. Obviously, there are reasons for this, but does that say? that they are just so much more dominant than everybody else? Or does that tell you if you're a team on the outside looking in that the NFC really could be up for grabs moving forward? Um, you know, I think it's about quarterback development because when you looked at when they originally brought in Jalen Hurts, there was already conversation when they brought him in to say, well, if he doesn't develop, we can go out there and get another quarterback. Maybe he can be that bridge guy. And, uh, you know, you listen to Jalen Hurts up at the podium – you look at his dedication to the offseason about becoming a better football player than he was the year before, and then you look at the way he complements the type of offensive personnel that he has, from dominant receivers to a good tight end to a dominating running game to that offensive line that we talked about. So um, I, I think when you look at the NFC and if you, ho- if you hope Justin Fields can be dedicated and take that step that Jalen Hurts has taken. You know, maybe they're not as far as away from competing in the division that everybody seems to think at the end of the season. But as long as Jalen Hurts is part of the Philadelphia Eagles and that that type of personnel that they have signed for years to come, you know, you got you still have to consider those guys the favorite, especially with the uncertainty at the quarterback position in San Francisco and uh, you know Green Bay for that matter. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about that earlier in the program that Jalen Hurts, you know, you, you, you hope that that is sort of a blueprint for what uh, Justin Fields can become. And I was asking David, well, what about the idea that, that the Niners would be going to the Super Bowl had they just drafted Justin Fields instead of Trey Lance? 
Yeah, it would have been interesting to see how the offensive coordinator would have handled um, Justin Fields and his development, you know, through his eyes. Um, you know, when you think about what Justin is, you know, faced in offensive coordinators through the end of his college career into the beginning of his professional career, there's just a lack of consistency. And I think um, that's what Justin needs the most. He needs, uh, you know, multiple years within the same terminology to understand the system as well as his offensive coordinator. And if the Bears are ever that fortunate, then I do think you're going to see Justin take the same uh, track of success that uh, Jalen Hurts is doing. Great stuff, Tom, as always. Great talking to you. Much appreciated. Thanks, Tom. All right, guys. Take it easy. That is the great Tom Thayer. That's fun. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.